Who here knows what object permanence is? Is that something that's familiar to, uh, yeah, wow, pretty much everybody. Good job. We, we do have a, a smart group. Yeah, it's child development one or two if you took it. Uh, if you don't know, object permanence is when a child's able to understand something even though that something is not visible to their eyes. Um, they realize like, oh, that still ex exists. So it's an object that it's permanent in their mind. Um, like peekaboo, for example, uh, if your kid doesn't have object permanence yet, when you put your hands in front of your face, they're like, oh, mom's gone, mother. What is mom? They don't even know. And then you take it away and like, oh, that's awesome. That's crazy. Like you, you just totally disappeared, gone, doesn't even exist anymore. And peekaboo is apparently, they say, I don't, I'm not a professional in this, they say it's supposed to help create object permanence. Um, it's like when mom or dad goes behind the hands, like, guess what? They're still there. It's a lot less fun whenever they develop the object permanence. Um, and they realize that mom or dad didn't just get like cast away into a black hole or anything like that. And like, think about how ridiculous it is for a second. Like, imagine if I held up this iPad, right? And everybody just started freaking out. Like, oh, where is he? He's totally gone. And like, right, even with this iPad in front of me, you can still kind of see me, right? And like, you could at least assume it's me by my physique or by my voice or by my clothes. Like, there's clues that you would know. Like, oh, that's, that's probably Matt. The fact that he was standing there and put it up to him. And like, you could even ask me questions, you could walk around the iPad and be like, oh yeah, confirm, that is Matt. Um, there's clues that let you know, yeah, that's, that's Matt. Even though I can't see him, I can't see all of him, I know that that's Matt. And uh, maybe I'm being hard on babies because like, they can't exactly do all that. They can't even hold their own heads up or like walk and like, it's really tricky. You have to support them and like dodge the vomit, right? And uh, anyway. Uh, back to object permanence, the babies don't get it. And um, they only know what they see at that time. It doesn't matter how much they've seen it before. If it's not right here, it doesn't exist. And uh, the thing is, though, that it's not just babies. Babies aren't the only ones like that. Because I think if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we're not a whole lot better when it comes to God. Like sometimes when we can't see God or when we feel like we can't feel him or we can't hear his voice, we start to lose that spiritual object permanence, like that we know God to be. We start to doubt. Our, our faith is, it starts to go away. And, and that's what I want to talk about today uh, as we continue in our First Peter series. Before we do, uh, let's go ahead and pray. Dear God, thanks for your word. I pray that you make it clear to us. I pray that you speak through me, um, that, that even when I mess up, that, that uh, you would intercede on my behalf and that everybody would hear what you want heard. Help us to learn from your truth, um, from the Bible, and just let us grow. Uh, give us a stronger faith. Thank you. Amen. So we're hopping back into 1 Peter. Uh, today we're, we're mostly looking at verse 8, and we're going to read verse 9 as well. I'm going to have it on 
this slide. <clears throat> We're gonna be jumping around a decent amount today, so um, you can you can follow along on this slide if you'd like. But um, here we go. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So as we're continuing the First Peter series, we see Peter talking about something that's really quite similar to object permanence. It says you don't see him, but you love him. You don't see him, but you believe in him. You don't see him, but you know that he's there. Can anyone define faith for me? Like, what, what's faith mean to you guys? Anybody? Or nobody? It's cool. It's cool. You believe in something and you don't see it. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a pretty good definition. Um, I really like that. Hebrews 11.1 1 defines it as, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. And that's the Christian definition of faith, which is pretty much what you said, believing in something that we can't see. And that's, and that's what we're talking about today. Confidence in what we hope for, assurance in what we do not see. And that's what Peter's talking about. He's talking about faith, our faith, that even though we can't see him, we love him. We can't see him, but we believe in him. That's faith. And, uh, Pastor Trevor is in the room behind me. If it was Pastor Trevor, it would be Fiath. <laughs> I heard somebody say he's the only guy I know that pronounces faith with three syllables. So, Fiath. And I think it would be a disservice, though, to talk about um, this verse, um, 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9, without going back to what Peter was probably basing that off of, which is found in chap or John chapter 20, um, when after Jesus had come back from the grave, he was talking to the disciples, specifically to Thomas, who was doubting that, that it was actually Jesus, that, that he had actually come back from the grave. Um, and there it is. And this is Jesus speaking. It says, Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, and see my hands, and put... Out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Again, it's talking about faith. Believing in what we haven't seen and what we can't see. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. In other words, those that have faith. So Thomas was able to see Jesus. He was able to feel Jesus, put his hands in the scars and the wounds on his hands and side. He was able to speak to him, and we're not able to do that. So like, how is it that we could believe without seeing, without speaking, without feeling? If that's what it took for Thomas to believe, how can we believe? How can we believe if we didn't see it? How's that possible? And listen to this, because I, I think this is important. How is it possible for us to believe in Jesus that we haven't seen? Well, it's not possible. 
at least not on our own. And I think to properly answer that, we have to go a few verses back in 1 Peter chapter 1 to verse 2. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, but it says, You have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So how is it possible for us to believe in Jesus? Because Jesus chose us. We are chosen by God. Can anyone remember the other word for chosen? We were talking about two words. Yeah, elect, exactly. You can have faith in Jesus because you are chosen. You are elect. You are God's elect. And how do you know if you were chosen by God? How can you be sure? Well, do you believe in Jesus? Do you, do you believe in him? Did you take him as your Lord and Savior? Believe that he rose from the grave and forgave you of your sins? If you can answer yes to that, then God chose you. That's how you can be sure of that. But let's get honest for a second. You can be chosen by God. You can be God's elect and still have doubts. Like you can struggle to believe some days, struggle to see his goodness, struggle to believe his power. And uh, we know that because the author of this book, Peter himself, struggled with this. And I want to take a look at an example of that. He went everywhere with Jesus. Day in and day out, he was able to see Jesus' awesome, miraculous power every single day of his life. And the one day, Peter saw Jesus walking on the water. And the disciples kind of freaked out at first, and then this happened. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Peter responded, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. For a lot of reasons, I wish so bad I could have been there, even just to see the snapshot of that. I mean, we got people walking on the water. We got Peter. And like, what was going on in Peter's head? Did he want to go greet Jesus? Or was he like, I think we forget how human these guys are sometimes. Was Peter just like, I want to do that. And I know if Jesus tells me to, I'm going to be able to. And Peter was like, there's only going to be two people that ever walked on the water. What was the scenario here? But regardless, Peter had so much faith in Jesus that he knew if Jesus called him out to walk on the water, he'd be able to do it. He had so much faith that he got out of the boat. But then what happened? When Peter took his eyes off Jesus and he looked at the wind... He became afraid. That strong faith started to turn into doubt. He still believed in Jesus. It's not like he would have said otherwise, but he had a moment of doubt. Even Peter doubts, so of course you're going to doubt. There are times when you're going to start to see the wind, you're going to start to see the waves of life, and you feel like you can't see Jesus at all. And what's going to happen? You're going to start to doubt. 
Let me tell you a story about uh, my cousin. His name is Travis. Some of you might know him. We're at the beach one day, and, well, more than a day. It was a week. But regardless, I woke up. He woke up, and he said, Matt, this crazy thing happened to me. Last night, I slept walk. He said, I got up in my sleep. I walked out of the beach house. I walked down the street towards the beach, and I woke up. I had my blanket wrapped around me in the middle of the night on my way to the beach. And he was like, what am I doing? So he turns around. He goes back to the beach house. We were young. Like, we were really young. And he starts pounding on all the doors. And no one's letting him in. No one's waking up to let him in. They're all locked. So he tries to go to sleep on the front porch. It's cold at night. He's a kid. He's probably scared. So he walks around the house, finds a window, opens it up, and climbs through the window, this small window, and goes back to bed. Doesn't even bother waking anybody up to tell them what happened. Goes back to bed. Next morning, he tells me that. What would you say? What, what, what did I say? I said, no, you didn't. I was like, Travis, you were dreaming. That did not happen, man. That's crazy. I did not believe him. So he said, no, Matt. That happened. He took me to the kitchen. He said, let's go to the kitchen. The window I climbed through, everything on that shelf is going to be moved to the side. We went to the kitchen. Sure enough, every little thing that was on that windowsill was moved off to the side. I was like, whoa, Travis, you actually did all that. <laughs> Slept, walk out of the house, climbed through the window. And I think faith can be like that sometimes, though. When we're doubting, when we can't seem to see God, we will doubt until sometimes we see evidence of something. And I doubted my cousin until I saw evidence that that was true, that his story was true. And when we're doubting, when we can't see God, and we start to lose that spiritual object permanence, what we knew, what we know to be true about God, we start to forget about it because we're not seeing it. We have to find a way to increase our faith, a way to find the windowsill with everything moved to the side. And there's probably hundreds of ways to do this, but today I just want to talk about three of them. Those three are seek, observe, and remember. And first I want to talk about seek, and I know Shad talked very briefly about this word last week, um, but seeking, it's, it's an attempt to, or desire to find something. And Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. When you seek to find God, not just casually, but with your whole heart, you're going to find him. When you start to get doubt, when you're not sure exactly what you believe, your faith is being questioned, if you seek God with your whole heart, you're going to find him. And we know that to be true because it's in God's word. So when you doubt, seek. When you can't see, seek. And how can we do this? How do you do this? Like what? Give me some examples of how you can seek God with your whole heart. What does that look like to you guys? 
praying. That's a great example. Reading the Bible. Yeah. And like, I know, I know those sound like Sunday school answers, but it's the truth. Like, was Brody feeding you those answers? <laughs> Anything else? What was that? Yeah, worship. Go to God, which is another form of prayer, of praise. Yeah. Yeah. Journaling. I love it. What? Acts of service. Serving God. I like that. I put in here also to fast, to give up what you need physically for what you need spiritually. I put in here to ask questions, whether that means, did you know you can ask God questions? Like you're allowed to do that. You can ask God questions. You could ask Brody questions. You could ask your, just anyone you know that's a, a man or woman of God to ask them questions. When you doubt, seek. Second thing is observe. That's what I want to talk about. Second, specifically to observe what God has created. Romans 1.20 says, For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made. So they are without excuse. Think about what this is saying, because it's, it's really an awesome verse. We can observe what God has created and and it allows us to see the invisible characteristics of God, his power, his divinity. So when we can't see God, because we can't see God, but we can see what God made and learn about him through that. God shows us that through what he's created. Last week, I had a really cool opportunity to go to um, a forensics lab. And there is some really, really interesting stuff. Um, the one thing they did, they said, here, touch this card. And I, I grabbed the card, and you could, there was nothing on it. You could not see anything. But they put it down. She got out this magic brush and just swept over it real quick. And what that brush did, it revealed what was there but what was invisible. There was another thing that was really cool. Um, they'd melt down gold, and then they'd melt down zinc. And again, that chemical reaction, or whatever it was that caused it, um, it exposed what was invisible. I put my face on a piece of paper, then put it in the machine, and there was a print of my face. The chemicals exposed what was invisible. And I think that's what nature can do with God. Nature, it exposes clearly his invisible attributes. So when, you're fi when you find yourself doubting, seek and observe. The last tactic that I want to talk about today is to remember. I want you to remember what God has done in your life. I want you to remember your testimony. I want you to remember where you were and where you are now. When you doubt, remember why you believed 
When you doubt, remember God's grace. And the first song that we sang today, I feel like, is just such a great example of that. It talks about their past and how God has never let me down. Looking back, as far as I can remember, God's never let me down. And he's never going to going forward. Psalm 77, verse 11 says, I will, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will, I will remember your wonders of old. So we're, when we're in a trial of doubting, when it's hard to see what the benefit will be, sorry, when we're in a trial, it's hard to see what the benefit is going to be. But when we look back and we see our trials that we've been through, we've seen our challenges, when we remember what God has done through those, it's a lot easier to see. They say hindsight's twenty twenty. It becomes so much more clear when we see what God has done and trust that he's going to do the same in the future. To remember his deeds of old, his wonders of old, the good things that he's done in our life, the good things that he's done for all of the time the world has been here. It becomes clear when we remember when we think back, our doubt starts to go away. So when you doubt, seek. Seek God with all your heart. Observe. Look at his creation and just be reminded of his holiness, of his power, of his divinity. And remember, look back on your life. Look back on all the lives that came before you and know that God hasn't let anyone down. And we're all going to do it, right? Like, we're all going to doubt. Don't assume that if even the disciples, Thomas, Peter, even they doubted, don't assume that you're going to be so much better than them. So be be ready and know what your plan's going to be when you do doubt. To remember, observe, and seek. Um, we're going to break up in a second. And uh, I got, I really, it's just one discussion question and one thing for you to share. Um, what are other tactics that you can use to increase your faith when you, say, when you can't see God, when you can't feel God, hear Him? and you're starting to doubt. What are other examples, or even examples within those three things um, that have worked for you? And then, uh, next thing I want you to do is just, I want you to remember. I want you to share what the Lord has done for you, whether that's now or whether that was 10 years ago. I just want you to share with each other the goodness that God has shown you. Remember His good deeds, how faithful He's been. And then, of course, you can pray for each other. So let's pray now, and then we'll split up into small groups of three or four. Dear God, thank you again for your word. Um, thank you for choosing us, for letting us be your elect. I pray that you increase our faith, and that when we doubt, we would know what to do, that we'd know to seek you, and just to seek after you with our whole heart, to find you. I pray that you forgive us because we're so imperfect and we mess up all the time. And uh, 
but you never fail to take us back. You never fail to forgive us, to show us grace and mercy and separate our sins as far as the East is from the West. I pray that when we doubt, that, uh, that we draw even more near to you, that our faith would be stronger. Thank you. Amen. You guys can split up.